grateful for our worship team, right? Man, some talented folks, amen, yeah. Talent in them and the spirit of God within them as well. And uh, you'll notice Caleb was not part of the mix this morning because Brianna had a baby Friday night late. Yeah, so take a look at, uh, at Kaylee Vandenberg, such a beauty. And uh, we're grateful and uh, mom is doing well. And uh, Gramsci is there with her this morning. So uh, helping take care of them. We're grateful uh, for them and how God has been faithful. So, um, yeah, seven pounds, seven ounces, got to get those numbers in there, right? And I think it was about 10, 10 p.m. on a Friday night, right? Good. Very good. So, I moved to Ovilla in 1978, and my dad and mom were anxious to get to a place where they had some property. They wanted to have a garden, and they wanted to be out and not have people so close next door. So we did. We got out here to the country, and, uh, which was a lot more country back in 78 than it is today. And uh, my dad started on a garden right away, and he got his first tiller from Sears and Roebuck. And uh, man, it was one of those uh, not kind to you tillers. I remember watching it, just, it just beat him up every day. He'd go out there, and he was pulling up rocks and sticks and clumps of dirt, and it was just beating him up. And he finally got him a Troy built tiller. If you've been in gardening, you know what that means. And uh, Troy built is like going luxury all of a sudden. You just walk behind with one handle just doing this instead of doing this, you know, for hours on end. So uh, he did. And he worked that ground and he worked it hard and he uh, made it possible to plant the garden he had dreamed of. Uh, so it wasn't long before he was, he was planting cantaloupes and black-eyed peas and green beans and and watermelon and okra and squash and just down the line. There was all kind of stuff he was planting. And, and he knew that when it was time to plant what? He knew that some things he planted were going to yield a crop within a matter of weeks or months. And he knew there were some things he was going to plant that it was going to take a matter of time. I mean, some significant time. And this is what those who grow food? No. They know that there are some foods that you plant, it takes much longer time. For example, if you're going to plant some blackberries, it's going to take a couple of years before they're going to get up on the fence and they're going to be ready for you can enjoy some fruit. They know, and my dad knew, he wanted to have some asparagus grow. Asparagus takes some time. It'll come up the first year, but it won't be ready to pick the first year. It'll come up again the second year, but it won't be ready to cut the second year. It can often take three years or four years before you're going to get the size of asparagus that you want. So he did, and we waited. We waited a good long while. He also wanted peaches, so he planted a peach tree. It takes a while to get some peaches from a peach tree if you're starting off small. It can take three, five years. And then he wanted some pears. So to have a pear tree, you're waiting even longer, five, six, eight possibly 10 years to get some good pears. But this is what farmers and those who grow their own food know. There's a process, and you have to be patient in the waiting. Fruit comes in process. Sometimes what you plant comes soon. Sometimes what you plant doesn't come soon. It doesn't come even in the time you thought 
it comes much later and much further away than when you thought it was going to come. It's a truth that works in agriculture. It's a truth that works in life. If you're going to be an adult, if you're going to grow up and get past being a child, even get past, I'm going to say even beyond just young teenager, you've got to understand life comes in a lengthy process. And there are th- some things you have to plant and invest and wait for. There are things you have to remain patient for in the process. You work and you keep working. You aren't going to get that promotion to the top level the first year. You get in, you show yourself faithful, you come early, you work late, you work hard, you do what they ask, you ask for to do more, you stay faithful in the process. Those who see will see and they will elevate you in due time. It's a principle of scripture. It's part of adulting. That's how it works. I'm afraid our culture has forgotten much of that today. There's a process to life and fruit comes to those who will wait, to those who will work, to those who will be patient in the process over the longevity of time. They don't give up because they don't see the growth they expected initially. They don't give up because they see other people moving ahead faster than them. They stay at it and they keep working. This is adulting. This is life. Owning your responsibility, being faithful and being patient in the process. Amen? So every parent wants their children to know. And it it does a parent heart good to see a child hit that level. Amen, parents? Yeah, where they own their responsibility and they work hard and they persevere in it. Spiritual adulting is the same way. It is the process of seeking God, hearing from God, doing what God says, and staying faithful at it even when you don't see the initial results that you thought you were going to see. You stay in it, you stay at it, you keep planting, you keep praying, you keep seeking, you keep waiting, and in time, that thing that you've been seeking God for, that thing that you've been praying for, that thing that you've been waiting on, that relationship that has yet to be reconciled, that job situation that has yet to unfold, that thing in your marriage you've been praying for that has yet to happen yet, that thing you're waiting for in your children that you've yet to see yet, for the spiritual adult, they keep on waiting in the process and they know he is in the waiting. Amen? So today, our message is called this. What are you waiting on? What is it? What is it you're believing God for as a spiritual adult? What's in your garden? What have you planted? What are you waiting on him to do? What is it that he is in the process of doing and you are waiting on him in the process? Sadly, many people give up in the process. They believe God for something. They start off the journey Say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do what you say. And they don't see the results that they thought were going to come as soon as they came or as soon as they expected them to come. And they wrongly assume, well, I'm not seeing anything happen, so 
God must not be in this. Maybe God has left me. Maybe I'm not ever going to see any fruit. That is not the mindset of a spiritual adult. A spiritual adult knows the lessons of the farmer. A spiritual adult knows there's power in the long game. The spiritual adult rests in what God has promised. And the spiritual adult rests in the promise. Don't look at my life right now and assume this all there is. Because God is raising up something greater than what you see today. Amen? Don't look at my children. If you're still in the process of parenting, don't look at the children as they are now because God is raising up adults and he hasn't finished his work yet. Amen? Amen. Don't look at a church where they are today right now because God is raising up his bride to be a glorious bride who is set apart, who walks in truth, who has purpose and power and is the light of the world. Don't look at the now, look at the promise and rest in that. Amen? So the question is, what are you, what are you waiting on? What is it you have planted? What is it you're waiting to see? What is it that you are trusting God for that's in your future? Our passage today is Galatians 6, 7 through 9. Turn your Bibles there, New Testament, to the book of Galatians, chapter 6. The Apostle Paul is going to be writing to the church there, and he's going to give them an agricultural lesson that is also a spiritual lesson because know this, truth is truth is truth is truth. And truth that works in the garden in agriculture, is truth that works in life because it's God's truth. Amen? Galatians 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. In other words, do not fall for the message of the world, the message of the enemy, or maybe even your own thoughts that can deceive you from time to time that make you think because you don't see God right now in what you have believed him for that he's not going to show up in the future. But this is what the enemy wants you to buy into. Hey, you can't really believe what he said. You can't surely believe what he promised. You don't really think that he's going to come through like he said you don't really think he's going to keep that thing that you keep praying for. You don't really believe that his word is really true. You see, that's the message that the world, the enemy, and maybe your own thoughts will give you from time to time. And Paul says, look, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. You can't mock him, make fun of him, think that he won't keep his promise. Oh, you might for a while, but look here, God always keeps his promises. He will do what he said he will do. The world says today, look, you might as well just give up. Instead of trusting or even thinking that there can be fixed, holy truth, look, just trust your gut. That's what the world says. Just go with what feels right. And if it feels right, and if it feels right in your gut and it kind of makes sense to you, go with it. Look, that 
is deception of the highest form. God does not work in your gut. He works by his spirit. That's what he does. Now, if you mean spirit when you say gut, then you ought to start saying spirit instead of gut. All right? Because gut will get you in a rut. Hello? You follow your gut, you'll end up some transgendered, mixed up, home. I'm just going to stop right there. You'll end up in some weird places. You'll end up thinking you can do all kind of sin today and still believe that God is for you and working in you. You'll find yourself totally deceived, totally mixed up, totally confused, buying a lie because you trusted your gut. You trusted your feelings. We are not called to trust our feelings or our gut. We're called to trust God who has clearly spoken in his word and has given us his spirit to confirm what's in his word. That's how it works. When someone comes to me and says, hey, I'm really seeking God's will. Awesome. Great. I love that. Let's see what his word says first. And what he reveals there, we'll build on. Now we can talk about what his spirit might be saying to you in it. You might come to me and say, hey, I believe God wants me to get married. Awesome. That is a biblical calling. We can look at that. We can look at the truth in that. Now, what you won't find in the Bible is a listing that says you ought to get married next year on April the 12th. That's not in the Bible, right? The truth for marriage is in the scripture, but now we can listen to the spirit and some circumstances and some counsel and our own wisdom that he gives us, and we can figure out how to do life. We can figure out how to make the decisions, but until then, we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. In all of our ways, we acknowledge him, and he's promised he'll do what? Make our path straight. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, if you're looking for reference. That's the process. That's how it works. So God always keeps his promise, and he will reveal his truth. And we don't go with our gut. We don't go with our emotions. We don't go with our feelings. We go with truth. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. And then here, Paul states the agricultural, spiritual truth. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. In other words, what you plant, you will get. If you plant some black-eyed peas in the soil, you're going to get black-eyed peas. You won't get cantaloupe. It doesn't work that way. What you plant is what you get. This is God's law of harvest. This may seem pretty obvious, but it's amazing how many people miss the point. What you plant, you will get back. There will be results. And whatever you, you plant... It will come back to you in greater form than what you planted it. You'll get more of it. That's how seeds and harvest work. If you plant seeds for a strawberry plant and you plant one seed, which they are very, very small. If you planted one and it only grew one strawberry, that one strawberry would have over 200 seeds on it. 
and you're going to get a lot more than that one strawberry from your plant. One seed could yield thousands and thousands and thousands of more seeds. You always get more than what you planted. If you planted a watermelon seed, and it wasn't some of these hybrids that we get at the store these days. It actually had seeds in it. Hello. I know. Remember those, right? Watermelons with seeds. A watermelon that has seeds in it can have up to 800 seeds in the watermelon. I know that's not what we want today when we go to the store. I'm just telling you. You always get more than what you plant. Do you know a pomegranate has over 1,200 seeds in one of them? You always get more than what you plant. This is an agricultural truth, and it's a spiritual truth. You will get a result. You will get what you planted. You will get more than what you planted, and you will get it in God's time. That's how the principles work. It's true for agriculture. It's true spiritually as well. Paul goes on in the passages, and he says, let me give you some examples. He says, for he who sows or plants to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption. If you invest in, yield in, turn to, trust in your own self, your own energy, your own strength, your own ideas, your own mind, your own feelings, if you you disconnect from God and do your own thing, there will be a result to that. If you plant into yourself, there will be a result. And he says the result is corruption. If you plant seeds of arrogance and selfishness and boasting and bitterness and resisting God and lying and double living, you plant seeds of immorality and cheating, all of that will come back to you. It will come back. It will come back in multiplied form. It will come back in God's timing. You might think, that for a little while, you're getting away with it. But know the law of seeds and harvest. It will come back. And it will come back in multiplied form. And it will come back in God's time. Do not be deceived. You will reap a harvest of corruption. If you are living today without seeking the Lord, choosing to reject him, And what he has for your life, rejecting his grace, rejecting forgiveness, rejecting his purposes, if you're rejecting rejecting all of that, you will reap a harvest of corruption in your life. The only way to avoid what is certain to come for you is to cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, save me, and he will stop the corruption because he took that corruption on the cross. Amen? Now, if you've already set in motion some things in your life, if you've been a thief, if you've been an adulterer, if you've been cheating, I cannot promise you that the laws of the land will not find you (laughs) and cause you to have to pay. But I can assure you that if you come to the Lord, he will will remove your sin as far as the east is from the west, and he will remove the condemnation, and you can be made right with him. Amen? That's how it works. So Paul says, first, you can know that if you sow to the flesh, there will be corruption that follows. 
Now, just an honest admission right here. This passage, which we're not finished with yet, there's more to it. I used to read this passage, and the tone that it has so far, this kind of ominous warning, um, like, you better straighten up or God's going to that, you know, that is how I used to interpret this whole passage. It was one of those, every time I read it, I just like, just kind of gives you the shivers. Listen to me. That is not what this passage is about. There's a warning here, but this is not where Paul stops. Paul has something even greater to say. So I want you to get your shiver off of you, all right, because we're going somewhere with this. Look at what happens next in the passage. Paul says, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. (sighs) Take a little deep breath right here. Just let this soak in for just a moment because this is where he's headed. This is where the Spirit is headed. This is where God wants to help us this morning and teach us some things. This is what spiritual adults know. Yes, a farmer gets what he plants. He gets more than what he plants. He gets it in God's time. The one who's living for himself, he will get what he plants. He will get it more than what he's planted. He will get it in God's time. But the bigger truth is, Those who trust in, rely in, invest in, pour themselves out to, and plant seeds into the Spirit, oh, you are going to reap a harvest. And the life that comes from it is greater than you can imagine. Now, let me do a little bit of correcting here because I know what's happening. You're looking at this verse and saying, oh, let's talk about heaven. No. Everlasting life, eternal life, in the Bible is usually not a reference to a time to come. It's a reference to the quality of life now. It's a reference to God's life now. I have eternal life now. That's not a ticket I bought for a departure one day. That is a blessing I received by his grace received through faith. I have the life of God now in me. I have the eternal life of God in me. I have the everlasting, nonstop, powerful, purposeful, grace-filled energy of God in me today. And you do too if you're a child of God. Amen? Amen. And whenever you invest in, plant in, yield to, surrender to the Spirit, you're going to get a harvest of that kind of life flowing into you today. Everybody wants that, right? I want that. I want that in my family. I want that in my life. I want that in my career. I want that in my children. I want that for my grandchildren. I want that for us as a people together to experience the everlasting life of God in us today. So we will reap a harvest. If you're planting seeds today of seeking God, for example, if you are intentionally choosing to begin your week and your day by seeking God, by saying, God, I'm going to seek first your kingdom and all your righteousness. God's promised you'll reap a reward. You will reap life. You will see him add to you everything that you need. There's always reward in seeking him. 
in this life, here, today. If you are sowing seeds in the spirit of faithfully giving, even financially, if you are giving to the Lord, if you are taking the first fruits of what he has given you and you are giving it to him, he will multiply back to you what you have given out. He blesses in that way. It's his promise. Those who sow will reap. They will gain reward. And it'll be more than what they planted. It'll be what you planted, but it'll be more than what you planted, and it'll come in God's time. Whatever you sow to, you will reap. If you are sowing, for example, planting seeds in the spirit of serving other people, if you are intentionally putting yourself in a place where you can make someone else successful, if you are putting yourself in that place, God has promised that he will bless you. Jesus said, the greatest in the kingdom are those who are the servant of all. So you put yourself in the place of intentionally serving others to make them great, God will in his time and in his way put you in a place of influence and he'll make you great. He'll put you in a place to influence others if you'll make it your goal to help others be influential. Do you see how this is starting to work now? You will get what you plant and you will get more than what you planted and you will get it in God's time. And we all in this room today are at different phases of the planting and the harvesting and the waiting. Amen? So that's why Paul says this next. He says, and let us not grow weary while doing good. In other words, while you are doing good in serving the Lord, while you are serving others, while you are trusting him, while you are giving, while you are seeking first the kingdom, while you're doing it, look, don't grow weary. Don't get tired. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up in the process. Why would anybody do that? Why would they get tired? Why would they get weary? Because the results don't always come in the time that we want them to, right? You know, you're praying for your children, and maybe it's you and your spouse, and you're praying together for certain things to happen for them, and from your perspective, it just seems obvious what needs to happen. But trying to be a good parent, so you're staying back in your space, and you're praying like, God, when? How long, Lord? Please help them. Speak to them. God has his time, and in his purpose, in his will, he will answer. Maybe it's another area in your life you're saying, God, I am praying for your will to be done. I need, I need to know the next step I'm supposed to take. God, would you please show me? God, I'm trusting you. I've laid myself out before you, and I've prayed this prayer a hundred times already, God. When is it going to happen? It's in that process that sometimes people get weary and get tired. They start thinking, I just don't know. I just don't know if it's going to happen. I just don't Maybe God's not hearing me. Maybe I've missed the boat. May, I don't know. I'm just, and they get weary in the process. And Paul says, let us, let us not grow weary while we're doing good. I told you there was a different tone to this passage. For in due season, 
we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Mm. You got to stay in it. You got to stay in the game. You got to keep going. I know it's third down and 20 and you didn't make it. And you're thinking, we're going to have to punt. And this is going to be the end of the game. No, it's just the first quarter. We're going to keep going. There's going to be another set of downs, and we're going to keep moving the ball. Amen? I'm going to keep trusting God. I'm going to keep doing what's right. I'm going to keep doing it. Even if it's in secret, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to keep trusting him. I'm going to keep doing what I need to do because God has promised that we will reap if we do not lose heart. It's interesting that he puts that word if in there. If. If we do not lose heart. You mean God's promises are conditional upon my belief? Man, that's some great theological questions you're asking this morning. That's awesome. No, God always keeps his promises. I think the if has to do more with whether or not you're going to get to see it or not. Let's go back to my dad for just a moment. Imagine my dad had planted his garden, and he didn't know about asparagus taking three years. He planted it. It started coming up. He said, ah, I don't know. It looks awfully skinny. That's what asparagus looks like when it first comes up, real skinny. And then it makes this fern-like growth, and you think, what? What is going on? It's all growing out of control here. If my dad didn't know anything about asparagus, if my dad had just said, this is crazy stuff here, you know, just mowed it all down with his weed eater, do you think he would have seen any results? No. What if my dad said, that's crazy. I don't know what in the world's going on with that asparagus. I'm moving on to black-eyed peas. I know they're going to come back every year. You know, I'm going to plant them, and they're going to come quick. If he had walked away because he didn't stay faithful at it, if he had walked away and said, I don't really understand what's happening here, and the weeds took over, and the varmints took over, and the sun took over, and he never watered it, and he never weeded it, and he never cared for it, and he never cut it back. If he didn't do the work in it, he would have never have seen the results that God intended for him to see. If you and I start down the path and say, God, I'm trusting you for my life, and you start off and you're going down the path, and all of a sudden it's not happening the way you want it in the time you want it, and you say, I'm just getting tired of this. I'm just going to check out of this faith thing. I'm just going to check out of doing it God's way. I'm going to do it my way. And you walk on the deal. You decide to go your own way, do your own thing, choose your own path. If that's what happens, do you think you're ever going to see the results that God had promised? No. That's why he puts the if in here. If you don't lose heart. So let's make three quick applications today to this. Because then what does this mean about how do I sow to the Spirit? Three ways to plant seeds in the Spirit today. Three things that you and I are called to do as spiritual adults. we got to grow up in our faith, and here's what we do. The first thing we do is we believe the Spirit. The one who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Look, the Spirit of God is in you if you're a child of God. And that Spirit is speaking to you. Jesus said that the Spirit, when he comes, he'll be the Spirit of truth, and he will guide you into all truth. 
The Spirit of God is in you. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that Spirit is in you. And that Spirit is wanting to guide you and lead you into all truth. But that means you have to believe him. When he speaks to you, you have to buy into what he says. And when that Spirit of God speaks in you, to you, and says, I've called you for a very important purpose. That is when you and I say, yes, sir, I don't see how, I don't know why, but that's what you say, I'm in. You believe him. When that spirit says to you, I have not only forgiven you, I have given you the gift of righteousness, as it says in the book of Romans and so many other places in the New Testament. When he says that to you, you believe him. You say, but I don't feel righteous. It's not up to your feelings or your gut, right? When he says, I have given you the gift of righteousness, I have called you holy, you believe that spirit and you begin. This is how you plant seeds in the spirit by believing him. Every time you believe one of those things he whispers in your heart, you are beginning the process of planting seeds because what God does is work through his spirit in us first. When he wants to do something big, he puts a desire in you, in me. He puts a dream. He puts a hope. He puts a promise. And when he speaks it into your heart, believe him. Don't dismiss it. Don't deny it. Don't listen to the enemy who says, you can't do that. That's ridiculous. No, I can because I trust my God above my gut. Amen? When he speaks, listen. When he speaks, believe him. Believe what he says. If he says, I want you to take this step. I want you to go to this person. I want you to forgive them. I want you to give your life to this cause. Whatever it is, when he speaks and it's consistent with his word, believe him. It's sad to me how many people think that the tone of voice that God has is, I'm angry at you. That's how a lot of people interpret God. They think God is condemning and hard and harsh. And so when God speaks to them in in a voice of love and purpose and, and hope, they dismiss it. They say, oh, that can't be God. That's, that's too good of a news. That, that's good news, and God is harsh. Wrong. Who did Jesus speak harshly to? Jesus spoke harshly to those who were arrogant and selfish and rejecting him. Did Jesus ever speak harsh words to those that loved him and pursued him? No. He spoke true words to them, but never condemning words. Do you believe that he died for you? Do you trust him with your life? If you do, then he is speaking words of hope to you. Chase out those other things you've thought about God being cruel and condemning and un 
unkind, he is good and gracious and truthful. Amen? When he speaks, believe him. This is planting in the spirit. Number two, obey the spirit. When he tells you to do something, develop the practice of doing it. When Heather and I had our kids at home, and they were all five there, and they were various ages, uh, and they were learning. We were teaching. And there were chores on Saturdays, and there were chores after meals, and there was a consistent theme we were working to help our children get. When you're given direction, say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, and do it quickly. That's an important life skill. Not just because you're going to have a job one day, but because you're relating to a God who calls you to action. And so when we taught our children obedience, it was so they would learn to obey the Father right when he spoke. And not say, uh, I'll, I'll do that as soon as I, yeah, I got to go to the bathroom right now. Oh, I'm going to go play. I'll do that later. Yeah, maybe I'll, yeah. Nope. Right now. Right now. Let's do this right now. Because there's a process. God is at work. And I, want my ch- I wanted my children, and I want to encourage my children to teach their children that instant obedience is important because we relate to a God who calls us to action. And when he calls us, it's important that we own up to that, that we do it quickly. We don't put it off. We don't justify our laziness. We don't say, well, let me think about that for a while and figure out if I really think that's a good thing to do or not. Let me check my gut first and see if that's really a good thing to do. Nope, nope. Instant obedience. They do what God says to do. I don't put it off. I don't try to explain it away. I don't ignore God. I do what he says because the Bible says that if you truly love God, you will keep his word. You'll do exactly what he says when he says to do it. You know, I've been... Oh, man, so encouraged about some of the things that God is doing. There's a lot of things God's doing in our church. I want to tell you about one of them, one area. In our men's breakfast, um, we've been talking lately about unlearning some things that we've learned as men about romance and intimacy. And it's been some deep discussions, some challenging 6 a.m. Wednesday morning discussions to unlearn some things and then relearn some things. And I have had four men over the past few weeks tell me that God is changing them. Here's what the challenge has been lately. Before we get into the whole idea about talking about physical romance, intimacy, we've been talking about the importance of spiritual intimacy with these men. We've been talking together about it. We've all been honest about sometimes that can be a struggle. Ladies, one of the greatest fears that your husband has is leading out spiritually in your home, believe it or not. It's a challenge for him. He needs a lot of encouragement in that. But I've had four men lately who've said to me, you know, God is speaking to me. And though I have not had spiritual conversations or prayer with my wife, in some cases, decades, decades, these men are saying, 
I went home. I humbled myself. I talked to my wife about what he's doing in me. I told her I wanted to pray with her, not knowing what her response was going to be. After decades of not, and these men have all reported to me that the wife said, that'd be great, and afterwards said, can we do this again tomorrow? After decades of that not happening, God works and brings about fruit for those who will obey him and what he's saying in their spirit. And we're seeing it happen in that part of our church as well as many others. But when I hear men accepting the spiritual responsibility for leading in their home and being an example to their wives and saying, honey, I want to pray for you and with you. I can get excited about that. Amen? Hey, God is doing some big stuff. And obedience is, is, is my way of saying, God, I agree with you. Obedience says, I'll do what you say. This is how God transforms us, you know that, through the process of obedience. When you choose to do what he says, that's the time he begins to shape and transform you. That's the time he starts to do something fresh in you when you choose to obey exactly what he has said. So if he says to you, I want you to get up early and seek me in the morning, do it. If the Spirit says to you, I want you to forgive that person who hurt you, do it. If the Spirit says to you, I want you to give out of what I've given to you, do it. If the Spirit says, I want you to seek me first in your marriage and watch what happens, do it. If God says, I want you to put me first in your life, I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen because you wouldn't believe it if I told you, but I'm going to put you first, God. Do that. Do what he says. Obey, because in that moment, you're planting seeds in the soil of the Spirit and saying, God, I believe you. I trust you. You said it. I believe it. I'm going to put in the seeds of faithfulness, prayer, loving, sacrifice. I'm going to seek you first. You plant those seeds. Now you're becoming a spiritual adult. It's not all about you. It's about him. Amen? Let's get on to the third one. You wait on the spirit. It's agriculturally true. It's spiritually true. You plant the seed. You work the soil. Care for the, what's growing. And you wait. You wait on God. You don't lose heart. You don't give up. You don't get weary. You stay in it. And it's funny how sometimes we get worried as Christians because our prayers haven't been answered or because we haven't seen God come through yet or because we're, we're worried about having a list that's long of things that we're praying for that haven't happened yet, right? You ever been nervous about that? Well, I mean, I don't want to write down a list of all the things I'm praying for because it would be long. I mean, and I, I hadn't seen God answer any of those things yet. And you kind of get nervous about that. Well, I just don't want anybody to know that, you know, I believe this could happen. I don't want to, I don't want to have a dream too big that might, you know, might not come to pass. 
You know, I don't want to have a vision or something that, that's really, you know, that seems like it's from God, but I don't know. I don't want to believe that. I don't want to write that down. I don't want to tell anybody because it just seems so big. Yeah. You want to tell me that planting a tiny little strawberry seed that's going to go into a ground is supposed to cause a plant to come up out of the ground and then somehow it's going to bloom and then it's going to produce a crop of strawberries that has hundreds of seeds on each one of them. You're going to tell me you can believe that, but you can't believe that God can keep his promises to work out in your life. Amen? You learn as a spiritual adult to pray and to wait. And you get okay with having a list of things that haven't come to pass yet. One of the favorite things my dad loved was when someone came over to the house, someone came to visit, because I knew it wasn't going to be long. He was going to be walking them outside that back door right up to the garden. I want you to come see what I got. I planted some corn over here. Look how tall that corn is. Yeah, that wind last week, it was rough. It kind of knocked some of it down. I got it back up. It was good. Look at that corn. I got some watermelon right over here. Come over here. I want to show you this watermelon. There's watermelon. I want you to see the strawberries. Look at this asparagus. It took a long time to get this asparagus up here, but I got asparagus. Hey, come over here. I got some more stuff. I got cantaloupe. I got squash. My wife wanted to try some lettuce. So we got lettuce over here. Come over here. I want you to see all this lettuce. It's not there yet, but boy, it's supposed to. My dad loved showing off his garden when it didn't even have any fruit in it at the time. You and I ought to be okay with a long page of things that we're planting. We're planting in prayer. We're planting in hope. We're planting because of promises and we're believing God for. Don't be ashamed of a lot of stuff in your garden that hadn't come to pass yet because God will bring it to pass in his time if you and I will not lose heart. Amen? Hey, I have stuff that I'm still praying for about our marriage. Heather does too. Areas that we want to continue to grow. I'm not ashamed of that. It's part of the process. I've got stuff I'm praying for my children. I got stuff I'm praying for my grandchildren. I got stuff I'm praying for this church that I have yet to see the full fruit of yet. But because I haven't seen it yet doesn't make me stop. In fact, it only fires me up in the process even more. I can know, hey, I planted in faith. God's going to bring it to pass because what I have in faith, he's promised he'll bring to pass. I'm okay with a garden with a lot of stuff in it that doesn't have any fruit to it yet. Amen? Don't be ashamed of that long list. Get you a long list. Plant a bunch of stuff on it. Have all kind of stuff. Show people your list. Here's what I'm praying for. Here's what I'm praying for for my life, for my kid's life, my future, my job, my wife, my husband, my kids, my church, my community, my nation. Amen? Look, here's some encouragement. Isaiah 40, Candy referenced this earlier, but I'm going to start just a little bit further back. I'm going to start in verse 27 of Isaiah 40. Because it says there, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. In other words, why do you keep saying, God's forgotten me, God left me, God's not going to bring it to pass. He must just have passed over me. 
Listen to these words. Have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, the Lord, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. Those that haven't gotten to spiritual adulthood yet. The youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. They wouldn't give in to spiritual adulting. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They say, you want to see my garden? Come on out here. It's growing. You see, it's blooming. That means fruit's coming. That means time is coming. That asparagus, yes, it's been there for two years, but fruit is coming. Come on now. Hey, I believe it. My God is for me. This is what spiritual adults do. They trust in their God. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we're all in the process of trusting you in different areas in our life. And in those areas where we've planted and we're waiting, we will take great courage today. We really don't have to ask for the courage. We just have to believe you. And then the courage comes. So today, we believe. We choose. We choose to believe you, that you will keep your promise and we will stay at it. We will not grow weary in the process because you don't grow weary and you are the everlasting God. You are the Lord. You are the creator of the ends of the earth. And so we trust all that we've planted to you and we will gladly, with joy, walk around our garden of promises and show it off to all around us believing what you will do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, and the one I want to especially recognize for VBS is Micah, our children's director. Yeah. Yeah. She just did an outstanding job and so many talented people around her, but I know she was the leader of that whole pack. So thank you, Micah, for making a difference in the lives of children. It's awesome. All right, let me close with uh, some news today. So several weeks back, Matt walked into my office, and he closed the door behind him, and I thought, oh, no. This is that moment that I've been dreading. Matt said, um, Alex and I have decided to continue our education at the New Orleans Baptist Seminary in New Orleans and we won't be commuting back and forth to Ovilla. <laughs> oh, it was just heartbreaking. And uh, Matt could tell by the look on my face, this was devastating news. And it took me a while. I didn't sleep much the next couple of days. Because, oh, man, you know how you kind of get this idea of planting seeds out in the future, you know, all that kind of stuff. Now, I, I really, and, and so I thought Matt's going to be one of these long-term, you know, vertical guys, but he's, he. The more we talked about it, it became obvious this is what God had planned for him and Alex in New Orleans. And so I couldn't argue with him anymore, even though I tried. Um, so um, Matt 
uh, and Alex, y'all come on up here for just a moment. Uh, let me grab one of these mics. Where's that other mic? Yeah. I want to let Matt talk about this for just a moment, and uh, so you can hear it from him. Um, there is no animosity. There's no conflict. There's no problem. There's no reason that Matt's leaving except that God has called them to go on to New Orleans there at the seminary. Yeah, so um, God has been working through our hearts the past few months on um, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, and um, Alex was looking at the MA in counseling, and I'm looking at the Master of Divinity, and we're trying to decide if we want to do that online or in person. Um, but just through the past few months, God made it clear that he wanted us in person. There's so many different doors that were open that just made it clear I can sit here all day and try to convince you why we're leaving. But it's all summed up. And we are so sure that it's God's calling um, for us to go down to New Orleans, and we don't want to run away from that yeah. and look at New Orleans like Nineveh and be our Jonah. That's what they joke around it's true. over there, that it's Nineveh. But we are so excited what God has in store. But at the same time, um, we are sad we are leaving, and we are just so grateful um, these past few years what Vertical has been for us. And um, But at the same time, we are super excited yeah. as well to go down to NOLA. So, yeah, give him a hand. So our trustees have been working behind the scenes for weeks now, and uh, Matt has really been fulfilling a lot of responsibilities. Uh, and so they have been about the task of how do we fill that student ministry. Uh, Matt's worked with the hospitality team in that ministry, as, as well as administrative task in the church office. And so um, next week, I'll tell you more about that. Um, I don't want that to be what this day is about. Today is about honoring Matt and Alex for their work here. So I want us to close today uh, before Matt says, lift him up and live him out one more time for us. He's going to be here for at least one more Sunday. Um, so uh, he'll get to say, lift him up, live him out again today. But I'd like for us to pray for them today. So if y'all come stand down here, uh, and then I'd like to have our staff come up and stand with them, and then students, y'all come stand around them as well. I wish Caleb and Brianna could be here, and they do too, but we will come and stand with them. Students and those who work in the student ministry, I want you to come and stand with Matt, and then uh, our elders, if you'd like to come and stand as a way of support with them, we will pray. And I'm confident that just as God brought you here in his timing and in his way, that he has taken you to where, <laughs> to where he has you next for a purpose and for, <laughs> and for a plan. All right, would you all stand with us as we pray today? Our Father, I thank you that you are the one who gives gifts to the church, who gives leaders who understand your ways, walk in your ways, and seek to teach your ways. I thank you that in our time of need, you brought us Matt, and you have used him here to speak to the lives of students and parents and our church. I thank you that you brought Alex along the way as well. And in the process, she's become part of the ministry. I thank you for blessing us with them. But now, Lord, it is obvious that you've called them to another place. And so we entrust them to you. We send them out 
We plant them in this new place, believing you will work through them. You'll continue the process of growing them up, maturing them, and you'll use them for ministry. You'll use them to expand your kingdom. You'll use them to see students and others come to know you, come to know truth, come to walk in your ways, and be part of a change that's coming to our land because the church stands up. So, Father, I thank you for the work that Matt has done here. And I pray that what we've shared together will now go with him as he plants there in that place. So, Father, we ask your blessing upon them. Bless the words that they speak, the actions that they take, every step that their foot takes. May it be blessed by you, Father. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, Matt. Y'all can remain standing. Go ahead. (laughs) And we can say it loud for our last time. Y'all know what to say. Lift them up and...